following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope you're doing well. Hope you all had a fantastic weekend in what was a football-filled weekend with Friday night football for high school, tons of college football on Saturday. The NFL got underway yesterday in full swing. Uh, so it was a full weekend of football for me. I hope it was for you as well. We have so much to talk about today here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. My name is Jacob Goetz with you for the next two hours. Hours right here on ESPN 1067 inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio here on a Monday afternoon. Um, tons to talk about today. We're going to talk Auburn and Cal. Don't you worry. We're going to talk about that. We'll talk about all the biggest reactions and results from uh, week two of college football. We'll dip into uh, week one of the NFL just a little bit today as well. Plus, Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network will join us coming up in hour number two like he does every single Monday. So, so much football to talk about today here on the show as we do uh, every single Monday. A lot of people have claimed this overreaction Monday, and I think it's a great way to put it. Um, it's, It's very, very easy to overreact from what we saw over the weekend, whether it be in high school, college, NFL, or maybe even underreact. Maybe there's some things where Maybe there's some underlying stories that we need to talk about or maybe some teams that are not performing to their best but aren't getting the attention brought to them because they're not performing well. So tons to talk about today. We're going to get into uh, get into all of that. But um, before we do, uh, today um, is one of those days where there's so much to talk about in the sports world, but it's also one of those days in, in the history of the United States where Everybody has to stop for just a second because we all know today, Monday, September 11th, 2023, um, on 9-11 here in the United States, it's a day where um, those of you who uh, were old enough and cognitive enough to be around when this day happened back in 2001 on September 11th, you all remember where you were. Um, It's a day for me that I've had to learn about and really really just yeah learn and and read and watch and listen to stories and and different things about 911 because I was a year I was 1 year old year and a half I mean I wasn't I wasn't paying attention I don't remember this day it doesn't have that effect on me but hearing people talk and and listening to just the thousands and thousands of stories about a day like today it is truly heartbreaking, and it is so surreal on what today represents, what today means for the United States of America. It's a very, very sad day. It's crazy that it's been as long as it has been since it happened um, on that September 11th morning of, of 2001. And you just you, you have to look at all of the people involved 
on a day like today, whether it was the people in the buildings, whether it was the people on the flights, whether it was the the NYPD or the fire department there in New York City, first responders, nurses, paramedics, doctors, anybody that was involved on a day like today, it's just it's so wild to me. And it's a very sad day, but I think that we are so blessed and honored to be living in a country that we do to where when something like that happened, it seemed like the, the country came together and they've gotten better because of it. It doesn't matter what your political affiliation is. Today's a day where us as Americans can come together and say, yeah, this was a bad thing that happened to this country, but we can come together and rejoice and be together and realize that this still is the greatest nation on earth. And so on a day today, here's what I, here's what I encourage you to do. On this 9-11, if you know people that were involved in New York City that day, talk to them. If you know people that are police officers or firefighters or paramedics or nurses or doctors or first responders, whatever that may be, thank them. Thank them for what they do. Because what they do is why we get to do what we do. That's why I get to sit here, right? People that are in the military, you have to thank them on a day like today because they were the ones that helped that helped citizens get through this right and so uh, again i encourage you to do that and i also encourage you to go and go on go on google go on youtube go and read or watch or listen to something new about this day that you've not listened to before because there are thousands of different stories and perspectives and takes on this day that I think it's really important for us to learn about, especially somebody like me who doesn't remember the day. I know a ton of you and my listeners, you know where you were on a day like this. So, But there's always more. There's always stories of people who did respond or people that did survive or people that had people involved, right? Go and watch or read something new today about it. And then thank those that are involved in situations like this, whether it be pilots or flight attendants or those first responders. Just thank them because they are the reason we do what we do, and especially those in the United States military as well. So I wanted to say that um, it's a day where I got really into this last night, just watching and reading so much about it because it is such a, a tough day in the country. And there's so many other things going on, but it's just a, it's one of those days where people didn't think it could happen here, but then it did. And so just thank those people. And, and again, I encourage you to go and take in a new story from a day like today. Let's get to the phone lines before we talk a little bit of football. 334-321-1390. And Andy, you're on the line, man. How are you? Hey, War Eagle. Hey, man, War Eagle. What's up? I try to call you guys, um... On Friday is for my pick, but it's it's been hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Friday Friday was a little hectic around here. We had a lot going on on the show, man. Well, what well, was no, your pick? It and then wasn't your fault. We had a Auburn rugby reunion up at a lake, and we're all you know thirsty and trying to get up there. But, okay, um, okay. My 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 pick was Colorado, but I didn't get it in, so I can't count it. Well, I'll, hey, um, I'll give you I'll give you credit for it. America won on that pick on Saturday. Colorado was a massive pick, and uh, they 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 gave America what they wanted. Colorado two and zero. Oh. Yeah, they, that was an easy pick. Um, 
So, uh, that uh, Alabama game. Yeah. Alabama, Texas. It was so incredible to watch just such great playmaking. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was Auburn rugby party, but I guess half my rugby team was Alabama people because when I lost, the party kind of went downhill. But um, then that Auburn game came on, and just to watch, even though Alabama lost, the, the plays and the athletes were amazing. I don't think it was till five minutes into the after halftime that I was like, oh, that was a good play. Like, I think a running back actually ran, and he actually looked fast, and it was like an eight-yard run. That was some of the worst football. Um, it was really sad because, you know, we got pumped up for the, the, the first game. Um, but thank God for that kicker, or that poor kicker. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I'm with you, man. I think, you know, it's funny you say that because – I've seen that take quite a bit when comparing the the Alabama Texas game to the Auburn Cal game. Um, there are there were incredible athletes in that Alabama Texas game on both sides of the football on both sidelines. Um, you can see why Texas is uh, more than likely going to win the Big Twelve. You can see why Alabama is still Alabama, maybe not to what it has been, but they've still got some fantastic athletes. And Auburn Auburn just struggled to make plays early. Uh, the defense made plays, and then they were playing a team in Cal that doesn't come anywhere near the talent level of any of those other three teams that we've mentioned. So uh, I get where you're coming from, Andy. I really do. Yeah, it was it was um, it was wild to watch. But again, give credit to defense. Anytime California would drive down, I'm like, all right, we got him in the red zone, right where we do really well, and we did every time. But I think a lot of that was because that kicker, mm-hmm. that guy was putting up points. We don't we don't win that game. So yep, yep. We'll take right. it. Like. Like, uh, and I loved looking at uh, Freeze. He never looked like, every time I looked at him, I was like, is, is, is this part of his plan? <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, he, he almost had some confidence in him. Um, so I'll give you all a call Friday. Um, also, speaking of 9 11, um, I was in Iraq and uh, I was an officer in the Army. And, um, well, thank you for I your will, service. I appreciate that. I, I will, I'll say one thing over there, um, there's a lot of evil. I love it from Syria, but um, I saw cages under Saddam's palace. Um, I heard stories from the people that lived there, and once a week someone would blow themselves up on us. So um, regardless of right or wrong being over there, um, I got to see evil firsthand, and that's made me love America, even with the crazy people hating America, which I don't understand. Maybe you need to go on some trips or something like that, but... um, this is so much better than than most places out yep. there. So yep, you better believe it. Well, hey, Andy, well, I we appreciate, appreciate you mentioning that. Yeah, man. Well, we appreciate you, and thank again, thank you for your service, and we appreciate the call, man. Great to hear from you. We'll talk to you on Friday. Right. Appreciate it, Andy. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Um, yeah, just to uh, again to to wrap that up. Uh, it's just a day a day that really has th- this is this is the the toughest I've felt today on a 9-11 in a long time you know growing up in school they would you know we would watch videos and they would teach about it and stuff like that but growing up you don't truly realize the the impact and what the event actually was and I mean man it's just it's one of those it just breaks your heart every time you see it every time you hear about it a story a a person a victim whatever right it's just so crazy so again to, to put a bow on this before we get into some football conversation for those of you that have family members, friends, or anybody that you know that that works in those industries that I mentioned earlier, thank them and and be appreciative of them. Look, I have a pilot in my family. 
I have nurses in my family, and you just don't understand what they do and how important it is. And I've had military in my family, right, as Andy was mentioning. So it just brings you together as people, whatever political side you're on, whatever your opinions are, whether you like the country or not, whatever. It's a day where America got attacked, and yet people, here we are 22 years later, and we still honor it, we still respect it, we still look at it as a day where the U.S. fell, but then they rebounded. So, again, thank those people that are in those fields and just go and find a new story about today. That's what I encourage you to do. Go find a new story, find a new perspective, and learn a little bit more because we're going to hear stories until the end of time about a day like today. 334-321-1390. We'll go ahead and take an early break. Come back. We'll start talking some football. We'll talk Auburn Cal. We'll talk Alabama, Texas, and some of the biggest results in college football from week two. 334-321-1390. Give me a call. The Monday edition of On the Line continues after this. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. All right, back inside the studio here at ESPN 106.7. This is the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Let's talk a little football. We'll get to Auburn and Cal coming up in just a few minutes because, believe me, I have some thoughts about the game that happened in Berkeley on Saturday night and early Sunday morning. Um, But on what people have tagged this to be overreaction Monday, um, some initial reactions to what happened in college football around the SEC, who doesn't look all that impressive right now, folks. The SEC is struggling. And I had somebody ask me, is the SEC down this year in 2023? And so far, I think so. I mean, I think it is. How could you say it's not? When you look at what's happened over the first two weeks of the season, the SEC doesn't have a whole lot to beat its chest on. And the the conference that I said is the best conference in college football through two weeks looks pretty darn good. And that's the Pac-12. The Pac-12 has two losses in two weeks. And it was Cal on Saturday to Auburn in a game that Cal should have won. And Arizona losing to Mississippi State, a game I said the Bulldogs were going to win And everybody's been on me about liking Mississippi State. Now, they tried to blow it, but Mississippi State did win that football game. But you look at what's happened in the first few weeks of the season for the SEC, it's not impressive. What wins does the SEC have? You had Florida get destroyed on opening night. You had South Carolina lose to North Carolina. You You also had LSU lose to Florida State. Well, the SEC didn't back themselves up at all in week two. Auburn was the only one that had anything decent with a win over Cal because Alabama got beat by Texas, didn't just lose, they got beat by Texas. Ole Miss beat Tulane without their starting quarterback. We'll talk about that in a second. And Texas A&M went to a bad Miami team and got beat by double digits. So what has the SEC really done through two weeks? Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. And I think it's fair to say that so far, the SEC has underperformed. The SEC is down and has a long way to go if they want to have, A, one team in the college football playoff, but 
for a conference that has pride has has basically claimed that they can get two teams on a four team playoff every year. That's not happening right now. Believe me, that's not happening right now. And so the SEC didn't perform very well. Uh, you look at what happened just across college football in week two. Uh, Andy brought it up when he called in, and I'd love to hear from you, 334-321-1390. Uh, the biggest story in college football continues to be the biggest story in college football. Colorado backed it up with another impressive win over the weekend with a 36-14 win over Nebraska. And I know what you're saying. You're saying, Jacob, Nebraska's 0-2. Is Nebraska really that good? No, they're not good by any means, and they definitely didn't look good on Saturday. But Colorado, after beating TCU in what was a thrilling matchup, they handled Nebraska, another Power 5 team. And Colorado is 2-0 with two impressive wins over Power 5 future conference opponents. I don't know what else you want them to do. They're going to get a win this weekend against Colorado State with game day there. And then they've got Oregon next week. So Colorado continues to do their thing. Are they going to go undefeated? No. Are they going to win the Pac-12? No. But they're better than anybody gave them credit for. And credit to them. They're playing really, really well. You look at some other teams and some other games as we're here on this overreaction, let's get stressed out Monday. Clemson didn't look good in the first half against Charleston Southern. Sure, they turned it on in the second half, but they should have. Clemson ought to be worried right now. How about Texas A&M and Miami? I talked about it already. I brought it up. What in the world is going on with Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher? You give up 48 points to a bad Miami team. A bad Miami team who... Give them a little credit. They looked better in week two, but not by a whole lot. I said it on Friday, right here, in this chair, in this studio, on this microphone. This was a game for Texas A&M that you could not afford to lose. You can't lose this game if you're Jimbo. You have to win this. I know you went on the road to Miami, but you played in a stadium at 40% capacity. You played in a stadium... That was borderline neutral site. And you played a Miami team that you out-talent at every single position. And you give up 48 points. And you lose in a game where you had so many opportunities in the first half. And you blew them all. And you let Tyler Van Dyke go for 375 and 5 touchdowns on you. On an SEC level defense. And oh yeah, Connor Wigman, your quarterback who went off for five touchdowns in week one, he had two touchdowns and two picks on Saturday. Texas A&M, their fans have had it. And if they're still back in Jimbo, I don't know why. What's he shown you? He's shown you you're paying him $10 million to go eight and four. It's unbelievable. Every time that A&M starts to build an expectation, they always find a way to undermine it and remind you why Jimbo Fisher's getting paid way too much money. All right, so there was that. Ole Miss and Tulane, I said I was going to bring this one up. This is unfortunate because we didn't learn until Saturday of game day that Ole Miss, or, uh, Tulane's quarterback, Michael Pratt, was not playing. 
We didn't know that going in. And so, yes, I picked Tulane, and I think Tulane would have won this football game if he had played, and they did everything they could to win this game. Credit to Ole Miss, though. Give it where it's due. Ole Miss went on the road to a top 25 team in New Orleans, played a good two-lane team, and somehow found a way to win. And you didn't just win. They tacked on points at the end, and you beat them 37-20. to 20. This was a good win. It will look better at the end of the year than what it really is because of Tulane's quarterback not playing. But I'm not taking the win from him at all. Ole Miss went there and won when I didn't think they could. You look at some other of these games in the top 25. Oregon somehow, I mean somehow, came around and beat Texas Tech after getting pretty much handled the whole game, especially in the second half where they came back and won it at the end. Credit to them. Utah somehow beat Baylor, a bad Baylor team. Utah not playing with Cam Rising once again. It took all of those 14 points in the fourth quarter, but Utah found a way to do it. They're 2-0. Notre Dame looks impressive once again against NC State. And Sam Hartman threw for almost 300 yards and four touchdowns. He's in the Heisman conversation. Tennessee messed around with Austin P. Don't really know what that was about. But they messed around with them, beat them 30-13. to 13. Not sure what's going on there. Ohio State, still having some issues. They beat Youngstown State 35-7. Okay. Then you had Alabama and Texas. The game of the night. The game of the week. One of the best matchups of the year. Number 11, Texas. Number 3, Alabama. And we had Andy talk, uh, call in in the first segment and talk about the athletes and the playmaking in this football game. It was everywhere. It was on both sides of the ball, on both sidelines for four straight quarters. Texas and Alabama was a fantastic football game. But you could see who the better team was. You could see which team had the better athletes which team had the more skill, and which team was better coached. And that team won the football game. Not only did they win the football game, they won it by double digits. And have you seen the stats on this? That was the first home double-digit loss in Nick Saban's college head coaching career. It was also the first non-conference home loss for Alabama and Nick Saban Since 2007, since ULM went there and beat them in his first year. This was a crazy game, a huge win for Texas. Because not only did you go in and win the game, you straight up beat Alabama. You beat them. Quinn Ewers played well. The defense played well. Everybody did what they had to do. Texas, you can make the argument... Okay, you could make the argument that Texas should have won this game by even more. They had opportunities all throughout the game. You know how many drop touchdown passes Texas had? It was kind of crazy. And yet, Quinn Ewers had a good day, threw for 350 and three touchdowns. The defense held Jalen Milrow, forced turnovers. Alabama had silly penalties. And Sark and Texas took advantage. 
They beat Alabama 34-24. We'll talk some more about this, plus got to give you my thoughts on Auburn Cal. We're going to get to the phone lines when we come back as well. Shane, hold on. You'll be first up when we come back here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Halfway through hour number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins with you in the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge studio here on a Monday afternoon. Let's get to the phone lines, 334-321-1390. And Shane, you're on the line, man. What's up? Hey, man. How are you doing today? I'm good, man. What's on your mind? Man, the end of the world. The end of the world for <laughs> Alabama fans. Man, I, it, is, it is so remarkable how they are really ready to literally get rid of Nick Saban right now. Yep. Hey, if I, look, man, he lost a game. He's, he's lost control. He's lost it all. He's, he's no good. He just get, get him out. Get him out. Yep. They don't want him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. crazy. Isn't it? Marbles. He can't. He can't do it. it. It's one game to a team that was better than you, and um, no doubt. And it would, I think we're seeing how 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 if these kind of games get played, that things will be a little bit more equaled out on to on on like you know like if Texas were to play Georgia, I think that would be a great game. Yeah, but, I think so. But, you know, so so these big time games are kind of shaking loose some of the stuff, and right now it's not looking good for most of the SEC. No, it's not. Here's what's crazy too, Shane. I think college football as a whole is really, really balanced. I know we're just two weeks into the season, but college football is really, really balanced right now when you look at, just look at the top 25. I mean, there are, you could, you could make a legitimate argument for about half of the top 25 teams to be somewhere in the top five. I mean, there are teams playing Really good football right now. And again, we're just two weeks in, so it's very easy to look at. But we've had enough big matchups through two weeks, Shane, where you can start to make some of those types of statements where college football is definitely balanced. The SEC is not as good as it has been in the past. And I think that you are starting to see some of the true effects of NIL and Transfer Portal to help that be a thing to help other teams be better and the teams that have been so dominant for so long maybe not have that little bit of an edge that they've had in the past yeah i I agree with you on that and and it's also i think that because some of these other teams are are doing so so much better than they've been in the past uh you know florida state with lsu you know uh a&m with miami I, i i see that one as um just just uh, reaffirming that A and M will never be anything uh, with 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 Jimbo Fisher. I, I don't like Jimbo Fisher, but I never have. But most Auburn I, fans I don't. don't. <laughs> yeah, most Auburn uh, fans are not Jimbo Fisher fans. Yeah, but um, yeah, um, I'm with you on A and M. I'm with you on A and M. Like that. 
That game, Texas A&M on the road at Miami. Again, I said it earlier. I know you're on the road, and I know Miami's a Power 5 team, but they are not to A&M's level on talent. And the fact that they went down there and looked as bad as they did, and they let Miami do what they did, that's all I need to know. The, the, the verdict is in on Jimbo. If I wasn't convinced already, I am now. He, he's not going to do it. He cannot do it there. He cannot do it. And so uh, I'm with you, Shane. I think I think Jimbo Fisher, I don't know how much longer he's going to be there, but he's not going to do anything relevant at Texas A&M as their head coach. I, I agree, man. And and lastly, about our game, you know, um, I stayed up, and uh, it was a long night, but uh, for multiple reasons. Watching that was hard because uh, it seemed like we were doing – we could we – could, we, 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 we were doing well. But we just kept giving them the ball. Mm-hmm. Like, like literally the first play, it just looks like we just like shoved it into the guy's hand. <laughs> um, and, and then we're, as soon as we're getting, you know, some, some momentum, we're, we're, we're driving, boom, turnover, turnover, turnover. Mm-hmm. So I, I, the, the score could have easily been, you know, Auburn 34 13 if, if we had kept control of some of those balls. But, um, I'm just glad that we squeaked away with that win and yep. got the heck out of California, and then we can focus on, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to, I'm not make, not going to make any any um, excuses for the way that that was played, but there was a lot, that was a lot that was riding against us because of, you know, of all the different factors. Oh yeah, that, that weird weird game. Yep. You know? Anyway, I'm glad we're going to be home, and um, and let's maybe we can. Fine-tune some of these things. I'll That's let, right. I'll hang up, buddy. Yeah, appreciate the call, Shane. Good to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Uh, yeah, right, one more thing before I get to Auburn Cow. Shane bringing it up again is, a, is, is great. I said it on Friday. Texas A&M. You can't lose that game against Miami. You cannot lose that. Miami, well, Cristobal is a good coach, and they've got some good players there. But when you compare apples to apples... And you compare position by position, player by player, heck, coach by coach, A&M should win that game nine times out of ten. And if you played that game ten times right now, it would probably be six out of ten, maybe, for A&M. That's not enough. And it's a game like that where A&M could build off of that. They could go down there, get a Power 5 win, and look ahead to next week. But all of a sudden, now they're one and one. And that's all I need to know. I've had this thought already, but Saturday just reaffirms it. Jimbo Fisher, he just ain't it. I mean, he's just not. He's not it. He's not it as a head coach. And I know he's got a national championship, and I've got a whole lot of other thoughts on that. But you've seen it. He's been there for six years now, and it's the same story every year. A&M's paying him too much. He's not getting to expectations. And somehow he's getting away with it. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable he's getting away with it. But I need to transition and talk about what happened in Berkeley, California on Saturday night and into Sunday morning. And we're going to talk about this as the hour ends, getting into hour number two. And Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network will join us in the second hour as well. Whoo. I mean, where do you even start when you start talking Auburn and Cal? Where do you even begin? And this is where I want to start. 
Okay, before I go in on this team, and before I go in on this game, and before I give my full thoughts and opinions over the next couple of days, let me start by saying this. A win is a win. Auburn is 2-0. and There are a lot of teams in this conference that cannot say that. The team across the state cannot say that. There are teams in this division that cannot say that. And I just talked about how the SEC is not as good as it has been and how college football is a lot more balanced than it has been in the past. Auburn is 2-0, and and a win is a win. And I think you have to take that and build something from that and make something of that. Earlier today, Hugh Freeze had his weekly press conference that he has every Monday of game week, and it was a very surreal press conference. It was a very real conversation that Hugh Freeze was having with us, the media, talking about how the defense obviously played lights out, how the offense did not play well. I mean, he said it. The offense was bad. Offense was bad. And we're going to get into that. And he did a little bit. And probably on tomorrow's show, I'm going to play you that press conference if you haven't heard it already. Um, he said some really interesting things. I got a couple of questions into him, one about the quarterbacks and the other one about the run defense. Um, but he he talked about the resiliency, right? How the team found a way to win. And look, all summer long and all week long, we talked about all the factors going into this game on Saturday. The travel, the time, the, everything like that. We, we've, we hammered that. But at some point, and I said this going into the game, I, I was talking to my dad, I said, at some point, you got to just suit up and play. Like, you can only cry and, and, you know, ask for, and I'm not saying Auburn was, I'm just saying in general. You can only use those reasons and those quote-unquote excuses for so long before you just say, all right, we've got a football game we got to go play, and we have a game we have to go win. And that's exactly what Auburn did. It was ugly. Oh, my goodness, it was ugly. And we all stayed up late. And we were tired. We were, you know, a lot of fans were probably excited after what had happened in Tuscaloosa. But it was a late night. And it wasn't one of those games where you lay down at 2 o'clock in the morning. You're like, man, that was fun. That was a lot of fun. I'm glad I stayed up for that. There were probably a lot of Auburn fans that were like, man, I can't believe I stayed up for that. There were a lot of Auburn fans that probably went to bed at halftime thinking, man, I can't watch this. I can't watch this. I'm tired. Hopefully they win. Maybe they'll figure it out in the second half. I'm going to bed. There were a lot of fans like that. And there were a lot of people that stayed up and watched it. Auburn won the football game. That is a fact. Did Auburn beat Cal? Mm, I don't know. And here's what I'll say. Auburn may have won, but man, they very easily could have lost. With turnovers... And the penalties and the lack of offensive game plan, I think. There were multiple times that Auburn could have lost that football game. And if they had been playing a better team than the Cal Golden Bears, they would have lost that football game. And I guarantee you that Cal, here on a Monday, they're kicking themselves. 
because they had a real opportunity to back up their words from earlier in the week and beat an SEC team at their place. They had every opportunity. And even when they didn't think they had another opportunity, Auburn physically gave them another one. They said, nah, have one more shot at it. And they couldn't do it. But you have to give credit to Auburn for winning a football game like that. And we're going to get into why they did, what they did wrong, what they did right, what they have to do to get better. But something that really stood out to me, we know the play of Eugene Asante. Oh my goodness. This guy was everywhere. He was everywhere. And he single-handedly won Auburn the football game on defense. And credit to him, we're going to talk about it. But he met with us, the media, earlier today as well. And what really interested me about what he said, he said it was really good for our defense to play in a game like that. He didn't say anything about the offense. He said it was really good for us to play in a game like that for our defense because we were challenged. They embraced the challenge because the offense put them in horrible spots for four quarters all night long. And they broke one time. The defense broke one time for one Russian touchdown. And Cal started almost every possession in Auburn territory, and they broke once. And he said, we, that was a good thing for us on the defense. Guys don't play like that. Guys don't talk like that very often. Defenses aren't built like that very often. Teams are not built like that very often. And so you had that mentality on the defensive side and an offense that wouldn't quit. No, the game plan was not good. And the quarterback play was not good. And the offensive line play was hit or miss. The receivers, borderline non-existent until the final drive. But they didn't give up. They didn't quit. They didn't fold. And Auburn went in there and won a Power 5 football game on the West Coast at 1 o'clock in the morning. And so, a win is a win. But there's a lot to break down here. There's a lot to talk about here. Eugene Asante, the offensive line, the two quarterbacks, turnovers, penalties. All that has to be discussed. 334-321-1390. We'll start talking about that when we come back. We'll carry it into hour number two. And then Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network will join us coming up at 3.30. I want to hear from you, though. What are your thoughts on a Monday afternoon? 334-321-1390. We'll wrap up hour number one when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. All right, wrapping up our number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line. And we're going to get back to the phone lines here for the next couple of minutes. 334-321-1390. And John, you're on the line, man. How are you? Good. How are you, Jacob? I'm doing fantastic, man. What's on your mind? Hey, I was going to say, I'm, I'm the Lee Scott guy, the guy who used to come games for them. Yeah, yeah, gonna, yeah. Yeah, when you when you think of Eugene Asante, who had a big game, uh, obviously, Saturday, and, and was our best defensive player, uh, I was in the North I was in the Raleigh-Durham area when he came out of high school, uh-huh. and he was, he was a safety, uh, originally, that came out of UNC. He was a very highly thought-of recruit, 
and and was a a landmark recruit in in Mac Brown's class. And it's just wonderful to see that talent used efficiently when there's been so much noise mm-hmm. uh, from Twitter and all that lately about the use of uh, Tarveris Dawson at wide receiver yeah. and other players who were who were used. Uh, not as efficiently as they could have in prior coaching staff. No, you're 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 spot on about that, John. There are there are so many examples over the last oh goodness, I don't know, five years maybe, five or six years really, where you can look back and there are a handful of players that Auburn just didn't use the right way and didn't use enough at, at times. And and look, you can't you can't hit on all of them, right? And sometimes guys are going to slip through the cracks and maybe a coaching staff didn't think they were good here, but they were better somewhere else and whatever the case may be. But it, it just seems like over the last handful of years, there's been too many guys that Auburn has had on their roster, didn't use enough, didn't use properly, that went to do something uh, elsewhere, whether it be another college or even in the pros. Um, and Auburn can't afford to do that, and I don't think that's going to happen moving forward as long as Hugh Freeze and this coaching staff are here, and Eugene Asante is one of those guys. And I know a lot of people over over the weekend on late Saturday and early Sunday were were harping on his comments, saying you know he was on the scout team last year, and now he's you know he was he's now co defensive player of the week in the conference. He did clear that up today. Uh, when he met with the media, and I think it's important for us to talk about that. He said that um, last year he asked to be on the scout team because through four games he felt he was not playing enough uh, that he felt he deserved, and he wanted to go and be on the scout team to to get better and try to improve himself. So I did want to mention that because he specifically brought that up today. Um, but, no, it's great to see Eugene Asante getting used in the right way because, man, Auburn would have been in trouble if they didn't have him on Saturday. And just very quickly, the only reason he stayed could have likely been the, the no double transfer rule. Uh, could have been one of the, the reasons he stayed. Also, it's so satisfying to me as a, as a lifelong Auburn fan to watch a UCF game. And finally this year I'm watching UCF and it doesn't look like, you know, Auburn football all-timers day. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, it's finally yeah. good to, to, to see, to see an Auburn team that is full of transfers. I mean, look at the state of the Michigan State program today. I mean, oh, goodness. they made an excellent choice to get out of there. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, that that's a whole separate situation on on the whole Michigan State thing. But um, yeah, you're right. I mean, it, you know, UCF finally has gotten the 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 Auburn transfers. Seems like they've gotten through most of them, and and Gus Malzahn getting his own talent down there. But um, no, I think Auburn is getting its own players too, and using the transfer portal uh, to a T. Really, I agree. One last comment I'll make. I saw where game time was announced for the A&M game at 11 Central. Yes. Kind of a sleepy crowd in College Station. I forgot to check who A&M plays this week. I think that's very advantageous. I would be surprised to see Auburn more as more than a three- or four-point underdog in that game. Yeah, I think it's interesting. And, you know, when you go on the road, especially in conference play, and, John, uh, Texas A&M plays UL Monroe this week, so shouldn't be anything crazy. Auburn playing Sanford. So both teams getting a tune-up before they come together. Um, When you play on the road in the SEC, or really any conference game, an 11 a.m. kick, I think it favors the road team because you already brought up the crowd. They're not going to be fully into it. 
A and M fans are are giving up on their team anyway, and right. Auburn can go there, get ready. They've already taken a tough road trip out to Cal. This will be a nice road trip, and we all know Auburn's not afraid to go play at Kyle Field. They've had some success there in the past. I agree, and I think it's an Auburn team that, and you'll see the development this week. Uh, I, I am a believer that football games are as lost as much as they are won, and thankfully. Uh, uh, Auburn ran out of bullets first to shoot themselves in the foot this past Saturday. <laughs> yes. But, but, but War Eagle, and, and we'll see what happens uh, down the road. Thank you for letting me uh, call in. Yeah, man, appreciate the call. Always great to hear from you, John. 334 334- Three two one thirteen ninety. Um, yeah, I think that um, <laughs> that's a great way to put it. I haven't heard anybody say it that way. I really like that. That Auburn ran out of bullets on shooting themselves in the foot first on on Saturday, and I I think it's pretty accurate um, on that. Uh, when it comes to that A and M game, yes, game times were announced for next week, um, not this coming weekend. Auburn's got Sanford at six o'clock for homecoming at Jordan Hare, but next week as Auburn opens up SEC play, uh, they will be at Texas A and M. 11 a.m. kick there at Kyle Field. And I think that benefits Auburn. I really do. And we saw on Saturday, A&M, A&M's beatable. Auburn is beatable too. But A&M is beatable. And if Auburn could fix some of the things that they didn't do well this past weekend, get a nice tune-up game on Saturday versus Samford, and hit the road, they could be a confident bunch going to Texas A&M next weekend. So that'll be a lot of fun Hour number one in the books. When we come back, my full breakdown of Auburn versus Cal. What went right, what went wrong, and how Auburn can fix it going into Sanford this weekend. Plus, Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network joins us in hour number two. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. Hour number two of the Monday edition of On the Line coming up. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn a sports leader. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope you're doing well as we get into our number two here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins with you inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio here during the Monday edition of On the Line. If you missed any of our number one, be sure to go and catch up with the podcast after the show today. You can find it one of two ways at ESPNAU.com or just search On the Line uh, wherever you get your podcast. Um, started in on some uh, overreaction Monday topics with college football uh, as a whole from week two. It was an exciting week two of college football. So looked at a lot of that, uh, looked at a lot of the uh, SEC results, college football results, um, uh, talked about different games and different 
uh, storylines coming out of week two. Still a lot more to talk about on that. We'll probably talk some more on that uh, tomorrow uh, when it comes to some of the biggest games, Alabama, Texas, and Texas and in Miami. I really went in on that game today. Um, but talked a lot about that. Had some great callers in the first hour. Started talking Auburn and Cal, and we're going to talk some more about it here in hour number two. So again, if you missed any of the first hour, be sure to go and uh, listen to the podcast later today, or it'll be posted commercial-free after the show at ESPNAU.com. But here's what's coming up in this second hour. As I mentioned, we're going to talk some more Auburn Cal. I'm going to get into some of the deeper topics here, some of the deeper things that went right, went wrong, um, things that Auburn did to avoid a terrible loss on the road on Saturday. Uh, So we're going to talk a lot about that here in this second hour. Plus, Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network will join us at 3.30, as he does every Monday, uh, to recap the Auburn Cow game, give us some updates from around Auburn Athletics as well. So, until that point, phone lines are open. Uh, it's Monday. I want to hear from you. What are your thoughts from Saturday night? What are your thoughts from uh, games around the SEC, storylines around college football, college athletics, whatever you want to talk about. If you want to talk about the NFL, call in. Let's talk about that as well. 334 321 1390. Well, as I mentioned, uh, in that first hour, I talked about Auburn Cow on a 10,000 foot view basis. And I started out by saying, a win is a win. And I firmly believe that. Hugh Freeze has talked about that. And it may sound like the easy route to take. And it may be like, well, yeah, that's the easy way to go. Sure, they won the football game, but you're avoiding talking about the problems. No, I'm not. We're going to talk about the problems. But you have to give credit where it's due for Auburn finding a way to win. They found a way to win on the road across the country at night against a team that I think is better than people gave them credit for, myself included. Okay, Cal Cal has some talent on that team. They do. Are they going to compete in the Pac-12? Probably not. But they've got some talent and some playmakers. Yes, we know the running backs. They had some issues at quarterback with injuries. But they had some dudes on defense, too. And so, I think you have to to respect Cal for the guys they put on the field and the game plan that they brought against Auburn. But nothing that Cal really did limited Auburn. Auburn did everything they could to limit themselves. And... When you look at the stats of this game, today in Hugh Freeze's press conference that he has with us, the media, every single week, he continuously repeated two things. Turnovers and penalties. And those are two things that on Friday, with Uncle T-Bone here in the studio, and then on Saturday, during the Game Day on Wings show, with Uncle T-Bone, I filled in for Jack Hutton, we talked about it as well. You cannot go on the road and turn the ball over and have senseless penalties. And guess what? Auburn did both of those things. Auburn went and had four turnovers on the road. You cannot do that if you want to win games. If you want to win Power 5 games. If you want to win any college football games. You can't do that. But yet... Auburn found a way to win. Auburn's offense was borderline non-existent. The quarterback play was bad. The offensive line play was okay. Hugh Freeze used the word fine today. 
and I think that's about as good as you could go. Running backs did their job for the most part. Of course, Damari Alston had a turnover. The receivers, until Rivaldo Fairweather came alive, were non-existent. And then the defense played the best game I've seen an Auburn defense play in a long, long time. I mean a long time. And how many times in the past five years have we seen an Auburn defense have to do what happened on Saturday, have to play unbelievable? How many times have we had to see an Auburn defense play like that to bail out the offense? And unfortunately, in the years past, Auburn has still not won the football game. I look at LSU in 2019. I look at Florida in that year when now Auburn had that defense. And we've seen it time and time and time and time again where Auburn's offense fails this football team. But even though the offense didn't look good on Saturday for three and a half quarters, because it didn't, Auburn fumbled it on the first possession of the ball game, Peyton Thorne on a freak play. All right, I, I, I don't really put that on him. I mean, yes, he fumbled it. And yes, you got to get out of bounds or throw it away. But that was a weird play. And Auburn was the beneficiary of a bad play being blown dead by the official because that was a touchdown all day for Cal. Okay, in in a night where the offense, the game plan was confusing. And Hugh Freeze, he pumped confidence this morning in Philip Montgomery and this offensive staff who are calling plays, by the way. Hugh Freeze is not calling plays. He called all three. He called, I think, three plays on Saturday. One of them was the most important one. He called the fade route to Rivaldo Fairweather in the end zone. That was his call. But other than that, this is on Philip Montgomery and the coaching staff when it comes to game plan and play calling, which it was just really confusing to me. Offensively, I'm sure most of you have looked at the stats. But in a four-quarter football game against a Power 5 opponent, do you know how many times Auburn threw the football? As a team, with two quarterbacks that played, two quarterbacks that saw legitimate action in a four-quarter football game, do you know how many times Auburn threw the ball? 17. You know how many completions they had? 10. Auburn's quarterbacks went 10 of 17 for the game. That can't happen. And I know that you rely on your, your running game, and I know that, that is the, that's the hammer of this team. That's the backbone of the offense. But you have to throw it more than 17 times. You have to threat the defense and scare them a little bit with the throwing game, with the passing game. And Auburn didn't do that. And throughout the game, I was asking myself the question. I said, is this a lack of confidence in the receivers? Is this a lack of confidence in the quarterbacks? Or is this just part of the game plan? And I'll be honest, we didn't really get a whole lot of information today from Hugh Freeze. He did say that they should have thrown the ball, taken some deep shots more with Peyton Thorne. And Thorne did not have a good game. And Hugh Freeze said that. He said he didn't play well. Until the final drive, where he did. He locked it in. Foul Rivaldo Fairweather a couple times. And Auburn went down and won the football game. Hugh Freeze also said, because I asked him this question. I said, Coach, 
You talked about all offseason how Robbie Ashford is a significant part to this team's success. He has to touch the football for you guys to win. And I asked this question, I said, what was the response from Peyton Thorne and Robbie Ashford throughout the game when you guys constantly were swapping quarterbacks where it seemed like it was almost every other play? He said he hadn't talked to him about that yet and hadn't really gotten their reactions, but another question was asked later on, more direct than mine, that said, is this the game plan moving forward? To have Peyton Thorne run one play, and then Robbie Ashford run another play, and then Peyton Thorne back in for a play, and then, oh, here comes Robbie again. I don't like that, by the way. It's a horrible game plan. It gave me terrible Clemson vibes from a few years ago. But in a more direct question, Freeze gave a direct answer. He said, I didn't like that. He said, I didn't like how that went down. I don't like that game plan. He said, that was not, that was not the plan going in. I don't know what changed. I don't know what they saw. I don't know why that ended up happening. But that apparently was not the plan for Auburn. And I'm here to tell you, thank goodness, because that's not how you win football games. You can't do that. You have to pick a guy, and you have to stay with him. And I think there was a point on Saturday where you could have pulled Peyton Thorne and said, Robbie, this is your ball game. You could have done that, and I would have been okay with it. Or I would have been okay with Peyton Thorne and Hugh Freeze coming together and saying, hey, figure it out, get it together, and go win us the football game. And eventually Peyton Thorne did that. So I didn't like that. Um, that it just It's just not the way to win football games. The offensive line was okay. Certain guys played well. Gunnar Britton, I think he played well. Tutal Miller, I don't think he played well. I think he had a bad game. Tutal Miller was getting beat all night long. Linebacker would blitz off the right side. They'd get him. They would get him. And he's going to be a good player in this league. He's going to be a good offensive lineman. But I think he struggled on Saturday night on the offensive line. I really, really do. Again, I think Britton played well, and we know he's good. I think Dylan Wade played well. I think Cam Stutz played well. I think Avery Jones played well. But the offensive line was not, it's not overly concerning for me. I was really impressed by the offensive line on some of those outside runs when they would get down the field and block. I was really impressed by that. That is extremely promising. When the offensive line is pulling in the right direction and when somebody comes off their block and gets downfield to make another block, I love that. Love that. And Auburn did that really well. But at the end of the day for the offense, throughout four quarters of football, there was no flow. There was no rhythm. And if they had a true game plan, and I'm not saying Auburn didn't have a game plan going in. They did. Okay, Auburn had an offensive game plan. But Hugh Freeze said today he felt they had a good game plan, but they could not use it effectively because Auburn couldn't hold on to the football. And every time they'd make a good play, they'd get a stupid penalty and bring it back. Or every time they'd start to get a little momentum, they'd fumble the football. Or Peyton Thorne threw an interception. And I tend to believe Hugh Freeze that they had a good offensive game plan 
but just couldn't get it going. But here's the thing. Even when Auburn had the ball, and even when Auburn was trying to do things, there were just some really questionable play calls. There were some questionable strategies on Auburn's offense. The lack of throwing really just threw me off. I mean, I just... I know we've had question marks at receiver when it comes to this Auburn room, but you've got talent there. They've proven that. Jay Fair has proven that. Rivaldo Fairweather has proven that. And I don't understand, for a guy like Peyton Thorne, who early on in this football game looked uncomfortable, looked a little nervous, looked a little worried, get some easy throws for him. Throw the ball. Take some shots against a Cal defense that cannot hang with you. And Auburn didn't really do that. But I understand when you turn the ball over four times and when you kill your other drives by penalties, I get it's hard to get into an offensive flow, an offensive rhythm. But when Auburn did have the ball, it was just sort of head-scratcher on, why are we not doing this? Why did Auburn do this and not do that? Right, Auburn ran the ball. We knew they were going to do that. But Cal knew they were going to do that too. And so... There's a lot of questions to be answered there. But at the end of the day, in this football game, as I said before, a win is a win. And here's the most important factor. In years past, previous Auburn teams with previous Auburn players and previous Auburn coaches, they would have lost that football game on Saturday. They would have lost it by double digits. If they had gone in there and played like they did, with four turnovers, tons of penalties, hurting yourself, even if the defense did what they did. Previous Auburn teams, with previous Auburn coaches, would have lost that football game on Saturday. But the fact of the matter is, Auburn didn't lose. Auburn won. They found a way to do it. The offense came together, on the final drive that they had, foul Rivaldo Fairweather twice. Of course, the one was in the end zone. The one that Hugh Freeze said, throw the fade to Rivaldo Fairweather, and he told Peyton Thorne, put it where he can catch it. And he did. And Fairweather showed how good of an athlete he is. He showed how good of a player he is. And he went up and made a play and won the game for Auburn. But don't, don't look away from the fact that Cal had pretty much any chance and every chance they wanted to win this game. Missed field goals, starting possessions in Auburn's territory, turnovers themselves, penalties themselves, missed opportunities. Like, the Cal Golden Bears had every opportunity to win this game, and Auburn kept giving them opportunities. They said, hey, how about one more? Oh, no, 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 you missed it that time here. Take one more try. And Cal couldn't do it. And I said this earlier, if this was any better of a football team, Auburn would have lost. But Auburn won. They're 2-0. and And there are teams in this state, in this conference, and in the country that cannot say that. And a major, major reason is on the defensive side of the football, who played lights out on Saturday. I mean, played out of their minds. And I want to talk about that when we come back, including... 
the co-SEC Defensive Player of the Week, Eugene Asante. He met with the media earlier today. I want to talk about what he said. I want to talk about his performance and how the defense took a major step forward from week one to week two. 334-321-1390. What are your thoughts from the game on Saturday? I'd love to hear from you on the phone lines here on a Monday afternoon. Stay tuned. We'll be right back here on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. Back inside the studio here at ESPN 106.7. This is uh, the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge studio here during On the Line on ESPN 106.7. The Plaza Bar and Lounge is your Tiger pregame destination for all fans on Saturdays during the fall, including homecoming coming up this Saturday. A home of the original Warburger, the Plaza Bar offers an easy and exciting menu to go along with fantastic drink specials. Enjoy the kid and dog-friendly Plaza patio, patio uh, while keeping up with all the other football action leading up to kickoff in Jordan-Hare Stadium. Located at 800 Main Street in Midtown off of Opelika Road, the Plaza offers happy hour from 4 to 6 every single weekday. Don't forget that the Sunday brunch before you leave Tiger or before you leave town, Tiger fans, the Plaza Bar and Lounge, your pregame stop in in Auburn. Well, we got a few more minutes before uh, Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network joins us on the phone lines. We'll talk to him about Auburn versus Cal, get some updates from uh, around Auburn Athletics as well. Um, I left off in the break before we got to it, talking about the, the, the defense for Auburn because you cannot talk about this Auburn and Cal game if you don't talk about the defense for Auburn because Without that defense, without their performance, Auburn would have gotten beaten by 25 points. I mean, literally. Like, if Auburn had not played to that level of defense, if they had just played half of that, Cal would have won this football game easily. And most defenses would have broken way earlier and way more often than Auburn's did. Because Cal... Just about every possession they had on offense started near the 50 or in Auburn territory. And again, Auburn's defense, they broke just one time. They gave up the field goal off the initial fumble from Peyton Thorne. Okay, could have been a lot worse. Should have been a touchdown. And then they gave up the touchdown to Jay Knott. After that, Cal didn't do anything. Cal didn't do anything. They passed for 160 total yards. And for a team that is a run-heavy offense, they ran for just 113. Jay Knott had 78 total yards and a touchdown. Yeah, he had a touchdown, and he did get hurt, and I hope that he is okay. But for a guy that was talking all the talk about an SEC team and the film not matching up with the name on the jersey... I think he got humbled a little bit on Auburn's defense. Auburn's offense can't say anything. They didn't do they they have no room to talk from Saturday. But the Auburn defense should have been screaming from the airplane flying home from Cal about their performance on Saturday. And you can't talk about the defense without bringing up the co-defensive player of the week, Auburn linebacker Eugene Asante, who had 12 total tackles, 9 of those were solo. A sack and one and a half tackles for loss. 
This guy played out of his mind on Saturday night. He was everywhere. Eugene Asante was everywhere in the linebacker spot. He was stopping the run. He was getting pressure on the quarterback. He was flushing the quarterback. He was tackling the quarterback, dropping back, making plays down the field. This guy was everywhere. And it gave off some serious vibes of just insane linebacker play that we've seen in college. This was NFL-style linebacker play that Eugene Asante was on. And it's like he went in the locker room at halftime and and shotgun a couple energy drinks and said, okay, I'm ready to go. And he, he realized that this Auburn team on Saturday, the defense had to play well. And then at halftime, it's interesting because he brought this up today when he met with us in the media earlier. Somebody asked him, they said, look, you started off playing well, but how did you know, at what point did you know it was going to be your night? Like, when did you know it was you were about to do what you did? And he said, honestly, he said it was at halftime. He said it was at halftime when guys were coming up to me and, you know, just hyping me up and, and, you know, congratulating me on a good half and saying, keep it up, keep it going. And he said, you could see in some of the eyes of the players that they knew like, they, they were relying on him. They were, I mean, they, they were banking on him to continue playing like that. And he absolutely did. Eugene Asante stepped up for Auburn on Saturday and was the leader of a defense that played one of the best defensive performances I've seen in years. Donovan Kaufman was out there. He was flying around, had eight total tackles, four solo tackles. He was all over the place, too. And Hugh Freeze mentioned it today. Auburn got banged up in this game. Auburn got banged up in this game. Larry Nixon got hurt. You had Jalen McLeod, who was out there. Keontae Scott got hurt. Kay and Lee had some really good snaps on Saturday. But Auburn's defense, I mean, you just can't... You, I can hardly put it into words, which is crazy. It's what I get paid to do, but... It's really hard to put it into words just how good they played. They gave up 10 points to a Cal team that just came off a 50-piece the week before. A Cal team that had four possessions off of Auburn turnovers when the offense continued to put the defense in horrible spots. Ron Roberts and this defense never broke. They hardly even bent. And I think it was a little bit of Cal not being that good offensively but they had their opportunities they missed some field goals they missed some plays but this Auburn defense I'm telling you they put up one of the best performances I've seen from a defense in a single game in a long long time and they are the reason that Auburn won this football game in Berkeley 14 to 10 We'll talk about all this with Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network when we come back. Get his thoughts on Auburn and Cal. Get his thoughts on a homecoming weekend coming up for the Tigers, plus updates from around Auburn Athletics. Don't go anywhere. The Monday edition of On the Line continues after this. You are on the line. With Jacob Goins 
on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. We've got 30 more minutes here on the Monday edition of On the Line. I'm Jacob Goins with you inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studios here on ESPN 106.7. And who joins us every single Monday at 3.30? It is Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. Hillman, I'm curious because you were out there in California. You made the trip. Uh, I was hearing things that people got back at like 10 a.m. yesterday morning. What time did you get back yesterday? 10 a.m. yesterday morning? That <laughs> I, I wish. I wish. It was more like... 12:30 a.m. this morning. So what? It, 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 yeah, the delays in Chicago. That that was not that was not what I wanted to see. After, oh no! Uh, what late night? What happened? <laughs> I, I'm not sure. We just we were delayed for four hours. It, it is what it is. I made it home. Wow. I, I'm in Auburn. I'm in my office. We're 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 good. So we made it past. Wow. They that, man, you couldn't get the day off or something, or you know, at least get like a half day. The, the grind never ends, Jacob. Yeah, we, 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 we think, like you last week on Labor Day working. That, that's right. we got to keep going. That's right. Well, hey, man. Uh, well, how was the trip, just besides the delays on the way back, how was the trip for you, uh, the experience uh, to, to take it all in, Auburn versus Cal? It was a lot of fun. I mean, first of all, the weather out there, boy, incredible. You can't beat that. And, uh, I mean, 70 degrees and sunny the entire time and, and a little chill whenever the sun went down. That, that that was awesome. Took in a, a San Francisco Giants game as well on Friday night. That was a fun one. Uh, so, yeah, it, overall a great trip until the delay started uh, on Sunday afternoon. So, uh, and obviously an Auburn win uh, to top it all off. That, that was the most important part of the trip. Yeah, it seems like a lot of people after making that trip for the first time are uh, packing their bags and calling a U-Haul to make a trip and move out to California because of the weather difference <laughs> uh, that it is out there between there and Alabama. Yeah, Jim. You know what? A, a nice summer home out there. That would not be a bad idea, I, I think. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I can't complain about the weather out there one bit. It's not as bad here as I thought it would be after after fueling that for a weekend, but uh, definitely still would enjoy that weather more. Well, I'm glad you uh, got to go out and take it all in. I'm glad you made it back safely, uh, even though you made it back a little later than you wanted to. <laughs> um and luckily, Auburn, Auburn football at least made the trip worth it coming home with a 14 to 10 victory. Uh, you were there, you were in person, you got to see it firsthand. Break it down for us, man. What, what were your thoughts on this game? Auburn pulled out a win somehow, some way, but man, Jacob, it was not pretty. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Somehow, some way, it was an ugly way. That, that, that was a way to describe that one. And, and, and that's kind of the feeling about it. It was, it was just an odd game, uh, just from the very first drive. Uh, when Peyton Thorne had that uh, fumble and, you know, maybe it was considered an interception. I'm not sure what the, the statistical <laughs> breakdown of that was. But uh, besides the point of the turnover on the first drive, and, and from there, obviously, the offense took all the way until the fourth quarter to really find uh, its way to, to put together a drive and then obviously the game-winning touchdown drive. Uh, but the defense, man, you can't overstate how important it was to force those field goals that, resulted in misses uh, against Cal. And I really think that there are a lot of guys that stepped up when they needed to. On the offensive end, Rivaldo Fairweather, uh, and other than the two fumbles, I would say Demari Olsen played pretty well. Um, and then on the defensive side, there are several guys. Uh, DJ James, uh, Eugene Asante is the obvious one, winning uh, SEC Defensive Player of the Week. And I, I just think that that's a big deal, that individuals were stepping up when they needed to. And Nobody on that team really flinched or panicked, and that's something Coach Freeze talked about in his post game. Was there was no panic 
on the sideline. I, I'm not sure there was even much panic uh, throughout the stadium with with the Auburn fans. I think there I think there might have been some out there on social media, but I think it, I think you felt that that game was just going to be weird. And, and at the end of the day, you just had to put together a drive in the fourth quarter, and Auburn did just that. Yeah, it, it just seemed like Hillman that. There may not have been a ton of concern. It was just like, it was a whole lot of, okay, well, there's another turnover. Auburn holds. All right, now's when they're going to get going. And then it didn't happen. It's like, okay, well, maybe now it's going to get going. Well, maybe, what about now? What about, like, it was just a waiting game of when is Auburn going to turn it on and beat a team that you could tell they're better than? They just weren't playing up to their standards. So I feel like it was a lot of that, Hillman, of just like, Auburn fans waiting on Auburn to start playing good football and eventually take over this game, and they waited till about six minutes left in the ball game to do it. Yeah, it, it was really it was interesting watching the offense. If you look at your, your top three rushers in Jarquez Hunter, Demari Olsen, Jer- Jeremiah Cobb, uh, obviously Hunter he seemed a little rusty after not playing week one, only averaging four point eight yards per carry. But Olsen and Cobb averaged north of six yards per carry, and that's something that you think uh, would provide. Uh, a good offensive day, but obviously Auburn just wasn't the turnovers. Really, really, really um, was just the Tigers shooting themselves in the foot. But I mean, overall, there there were bright spots, and and I think some penalties also killed drives. But uh, I, I think the passing game when it opened up on that final drive of the game, that's where you saw uh, the potential of this Auburn offense and, and Peyton Thorne finding the Rivaldo Fairweather connection. Uh, and Jay Ferrier, he had that touchdown on the drag route. I, I, there were two open guys on that play. I think Jarquez Hunter was open on the wheel route. So I, I just think that the potential is there for this offense, and it's all about uh, just gelling together. And, and obviously, a weird kickoff time traveling halfway across the country. Uh, team had to travel on Thursday uh, and wait a whole day. Uh, I, you know, not to make an excuse, but I just think that a lot of that plays a factor into uh, the performance of the team and. And, and, and then you have this Saturday uh, against Stanford where you want to clean that up, uh, especially before going into SEC play. Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network joining us on the phone lines here on a Monday edition of On the Line. The quarterback play and the quarterback usage was definitely something uh, unique on Saturday, Jacob. We saw Peyton Thorne uh, go 9-14 of for 94 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. He had the fumble on that first drive as well. Uh, Robbie Ashford came in one for three on throwing attempts. He had some rushing attempts as well. But we saw there in that second half where... Peyton Thorne would run a play, and then Robbie Ashford would come in and run a play. And then Peyton Thorne and Robbie Ashford, and uh, it was very Clemson-esque from a few years ago, what, 2017, I think. And just curious of what your thoughts were on that. Hugh Freeze said he didn't like how that went down. He wasn't a fan of that. It wasn't the game plan, but obviously that's how it went down in the ball game itself. Just you're curious on what your opinion is on that. Right. It, it, it's, it's important to know also, I think, that there was a plan for it, but also the fact that it was kind of it, it was a little predictable i think that when robbie ashford came into the game it it was it was going to be a running play and uh that 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 can be okay we saw it last year where where robbie ashford being the starting quarterback you know you knew auburn was going to run the ball a lot in those games uh in november last year and and auburn found success doing that but i think that in this situational uh, awareness of these defenses now i think it does uh, make it a little bit easier for them to key in and uh, know that it's going to be a running play. And, and and I think that Thorne, we saw on that touchdown drive, how comfortable he was able to get after he uh, found Rivaldo Fairweather on that seam. And that was a great catch by Fairweather as well. But uh, I think that fade route 
uh, for the touchdown. What well, was an incredible throw. He put it in the perfect spot where the defensive back couldn't get it, and only Fairweather could. So I think letting guys get into their groove, whether it's Ashford or Thorne, uh, is an important thing to do. And when we go forward, I, I think that we're going to see more of that where Robbie Ashford, it'll be more like the UMass game, I think, where Thorne drives him down the field and, and maybe in a perfect situation, you let Robbie run it in for the five-yard line or so. And, and, and that, that is what it is. That probably won't happen every drive, but I think that's something good to keep teams on their toes uh, and thinking about that, keep it in the back of their minds. So uh, I, I think we're, we will probably see less of it, but I don't think it's going to disappear after this week. And Hillman, before we look ahead to uh, homecoming coming up this weekend for Auburn uh, as they try to flip the page and, and get out of California, and what they probably hope they don't have to make a trip back there in a while, um, how how important and just how much can Auburn lean on the fact that they are two and zero? They found a way to win, and in what has been not a great start for the SEC as a whole, again they're two and zero in twenty twenty three and have a great chance to go three and zero this Saturday. Right. Well, you, 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 you'll, you'll have to wait until I think 2027 for Auburn to go back to California when they face UCLA, uh, in the Rose Bowl. So we've got a few years until then, but it's closer than you think. Um, but yeah, being 2 and 0 is a big deal. And even just getting a win the way you did on Saturday night is a big deal. I don't, I don't know in the last few years whether Auburn wins that game or not. I, I, I quite frankly don't think they do. I, I just, I, I think that those are the kind of games that, uh, or the difference between a team that, that can be something special and, and a team that is battling to go 6-6. Six and six. So I, I think that uh, just figuring things out as you go, like I said, there was no panic on that sideline. There, there was no uh, you know, concern. It, it was just, all right, let's push through this and, and figure it out, and let's put together a drive on offense and keep it, keep doing your thing. And that, that's what happened in the fourth quarter. So, yeah, being 2-0 and at this point, that that that's what you that's what you wanted to do and uh going forward obviously you like you said you have Sanford and homecoming this week but then it's SEC play 11 a.m. kickoff at Texas A&M uh but being two and like if you're three and oh going into that Texas A&M game that 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 brings all the hype and that brings uh everything on the table where all right the real season begins then so you got to handle business on Saturday against Stanford but then that's when things become real where all right, now you're contending for SEC West and SEC Championship implications. And, and, and that, that those are obviously lofty goals and expectations, but you never know in the SEC, and, that, and that, that's the big deal. So uh, I think just being 2-0, that, that, that's a very positive thing for Auburn. And to get a win the way you did, again, I don't know if Auburn pulls out that win a year ago or three years ago. I, I think that, that that was a turning point in this program. Jacob Hillman, who represents the Auburn Sports Network, joining us here on the Monday edition of On the Line on ESPN 106.7. Sanford coming up this weekend. Uh, it's homecoming. Auburn has a chance to fix some of the issues that they had uh, from the game on Saturday, kind of get better, get some maybe hopefully get healthy. Uh, we know Auburn's still dealing with some injury problems, especially on the defensive side of the football. Um, but when you look ahead to this weekend, and what it means. It's a homecoming. I know it's a, it's a big weekend, parents weekend for the students as well. So what does this weekend mean for Auburn football, the Auburn family, and just everybody that's going to be involved in here in town this weekend for the Auburn game? Yeah, I mean, start, starting on the football side, on the field, I mean, I, I think it, it's important, as you said, uh, to get healthy. Obviously, Stanford's an FCS opponent. Uh, 
you should you should overmatch them. You should outtown them. But you you got to go in the same way you do every game, and, and you got to get it done. So uh, I, I think it's going to be important to to run the ball well, get the quarterbacks comfortable, who, whoever it is out there. And obviously, it'll be Peyton Thorne starting the game, but I think even Robbie Asher get, getting him reps to get him comfortable for whatever situations that he is going to be put in for the remainder of the season. And I think on the defensive side, keep doing what you're doing. Eugene Asante, keep flying to the ball and, and, and keep being the heat-seeking missile that you are. And, and I think the defensive backs group is really uh, starting to step up. And, and, again, you mentioned the injuries. We haven't even seen Nehemiah Pritchett yet this year, and I, I'm excited to see him out there. Uh, Kane Lee, he played really well uh, in, in the time he got on Saturday. So uh, I'm excited to see uh, all that happen on Saturday. But, again, you, you mentioned it, it's, it's homecoming, and, and that's a big deal for uh, the Auburn family, the Auburn fan base. And, uh, you know, we talked about kickoff of the planes being important for everyone's return. Uh, to campus and, and being the whiteout game, the, the first game of the Hughes Freeze era, but this is a this is a big one too. It, it's the last non-conference game before you get in to SEC play. Uh, you know, it's it, it, something. There's always that talk about you know families come to one game a year. Sometimes it's the homecoming game, so uh, that's always a blast for them to be there and and being a night game. It's going to be a heck of an atmosphere, and uh, I'm just really looking forward to it. And obviously, there are events all week in it. Here's what we'll say. It gets starts. It gets started on Thursday with Tiger Talk at Baumhauer. So uh, I can't wait for this weekend. It's going to be a blast. Yeah, and before I let you go, Hillman, I want to go that direction really quickly. Updates from uh, around Auburn Athletics. Volleyball was in action. Soccer in action. Both of them will be uh, in action coming up over the next few days. Any updates you can give our listeners on just what's happening outside of football uh, in Auburn Athletics? Yeah, volleyball uh, it actually fell to Middle Tennessee on on, on Thursday against um, in the, to open the Tiger Invitational. It bounced back with two wins and was able to move up in the rankings number twenty four. So staying in the top twenty five uh, and will go down to Mobile this weekend uh, to face South Alabama, UAB, and Sanford um, in the Alabama Showdown. And then it's SEC play, and that 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 it opens with a banger it's against Florida on September twenty second. So uh, it's a big deal this weekend for that volleyball team to really. Uh, it's kind of similar to what the football team's doing. Uh, you know, fix fix everything you need to do uh, before the real season starts, and uh, you're contending for championships. And then soccer uh, concluded its non-conference schedule this past weekend on the road uh, with the tie against West Virginia and a loss at Ohio State. But uh, this road trip's a tough one. So if you can go to Mississippi State this Friday and, and get one, then you come back home against Missouri and. Uh, I think that's a big deal. So going to Mississippi State this weekend will uh, be a big one for the soccer program. Jacob Hillman, he joins me every single Monday here on On the Line on ESPN 106.7 representing the Auburn Sports Network. Hillman, as always, brother, it's a a blast to talk to you. I appreciate you joining me every single Monday, especially today on a day where uh, it seems like you're going to have a long day and and probably sleep pretty well tonight, man. So I appreciate you uh, and, and let everybody know where they can find you and find everything you guys are doing with the Auburn Sports Network. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I could actually be on at 3.30 on Monday this week. I know we've had <laughs> we've been off schedule a little bit the last yeah, week. Yeah, a little bit. I make, yeah, it, it's all right. We're, we're, we're back on schedule. We're, we're pushing through it. And if I make it to the halftime of Monday Night Football tonight, I'll be impressed. So, <laughs> everyone, you can follow me on Twitter at Jacob Hillman AU. Follow uh, at AU Sports Network. We'll be posting details for Tiger Talk this Thursday, including guests, and, and, and as well as game day coverage this weekend of Auburn and Stanford. That's at 6 Central for the Tiger Tailgate Show. We'll get underway at 3 o'clock on the east side of Jordan-Hare Stadium. Awesome, man. You guys do a fantastic job. And uh, go get some sleep tonight. We'll talk to you on Monday.
right, thank you. Jacob War Eagle. That's Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. Ah, got in at 12.30 this morning. Oh, sounds horrible. I was talking with uh, uh, with Jeff Shearer, who writes for AuburnTigers.com, and he said after Saturday, after the game, they hopped on planes and they flew right back, and they got in at, like, and Free said it this morning, too, they got in at 10 a.m., yesterday morning uh flew straight through and, and trying to recover from that but sounds like jacob hillman had a little bit more difficulty getting back here to alabama but hey we appreciate him as always great friend of mine always enjoyed talking with him on a monday recapping auburn athletics from over the weekend go check him out go check out everything that's going on with the auburn sports network we'll come right back and wrap up the monday edition of on the line before bill and dan take over they are live at franklin tire and auto that's where they'll be today uh for the drive from four to six here on espn and 1067. So be sure you stay tuned. We'll come back, wrap up the Monday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334 321 1390 or toll free at 888 382 7502. Wrapping up the Monday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7. Big thanks to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network for joining me every single Monday here on the show. It's been a great show today. It's flown by, been a lot of fun. Mondays are always uh, exciting to uh, recap what's been a busy weekend. We'll do it a lot more tomorrow on the show. Daryl Dapperts, Double D, will join me in the second hour tomorrow. He's always got some thoughts on Auburn football and how they performed from over the weekend. Plus, we'll take a deeper dive into uh, some of the other games and results from week two the newest ap poll is out um we'll talk about some big results and what they could mean moving forward uh which teams are legit which ones are not um we'll definitely talk about that and of course talk some more about auburn and cal as well but if you missed any of the show today, be sure to go and catch up with the podcast. You can find it right after the show today, commercial-free at ESPNAU.com or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. Um, be sure you go and check that out. We talked about Auburn Cal. We talked about some results from today. Didn't go super deep into those results, but I had a lot of good calls uh, today. And then Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network joined us just now. So if you missed any of it, go and catch up with the podcast at ESPNAU.com right after the show today um before i get out of here i want to talk about and i'll talk about this more as we go on throughout the week but the win for auburn versus cal no it was not pretty it was ugly just to be honest with you it was an ugly win but again i can't stress enough and i'm glad jacob hillman said it too because previous auburn teams would have lost that game on saturday they would have given the coaching staffs, given the game plans, given the players at the time, and that's nothing against any of them personally, but just given what we know, given the circumstances and the time and time and time again that we saw previous Auburn teams in certain similar situations like this one versus Cal on Saturday, previous Auburn teams would have lost that football game. But Auburn won. Hugh Freeze won. Peyton Thorne won. The defense won. Special teams. I haven't even talked about them today. Special teams won that football game. That means something. That says something. And Hillman put it into words. He said this could be a turning point for the program. And a lot of people would look at this and say, you defeated Cal. You defeated a bad football team. How is that a turning point for your program? And I'm not saying it's going to be. 
but it very well could be. And here's why that is. This was a big win for Auburn's resume and for Auburn's eventual record at the end of the year. And I talked about this coming into the season. Auburn was getting predictions anywhere from 5-7 and seven to 8-4 and four this season. With the Cal win, you're going to win this weekend against Sanford. That's three. You're going to beat New Mexico State. That's four. And you have four wins before playing a single SEC game. All you got to do is win two to get bowl eligible. Win two more to be an 8-4 and four team in Hugh Freeze's first year. This win against California meant more than just a W in the win column. It meant what the season in 2023 could be and what the future of Auburn football could look like as well. We'll talk some more about that tomorrow, 2-4, to four, right here on ESPN 106.7. Stay tuned. Bill and Dan live from Franklin Tire and Auto for the drive here on ESPN 106.7. Until tomorrow, 2-4, to four, right here on ESPN 106.7. I'm Jacob Goins. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.